The following is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to Heart Health Radio Saturdays at noon FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. Do us a favor. Tell your friends about us. Absolutely. And and even the people you don't like. Right. Why not? Tell your enemies about us. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Dave Alexander. This is Dr. Franklin Weefald. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. What a busy day we're going to have. Things are changing um, with the coronavirus. And I think it's important for us all to understand what it really is that's changing. And we've got some strange numbers for you, but we'll make some sense of it. Uh, Also, we'll talk about a breakthrough in sickle cell. Is it safe to smell your deodorant? And we're going to play a game called Can I Eat This? Because I have a... You know how every product... No, wait a minute. Yeah, every product has the nutritional facts. Yeah. I'm going to hand you the nutritional facts. I'm not going to tell you what the product is. What it is. And I'm going to... Is that like you. is that like David Letterman does it float? I maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Can I love it. Can you eat this? Can I eat this? <laughs> on the no-no diet which frowns on certain things including carbohydrates. Simple carbohydrates are simply not good for you. All right. This week Dr. Mandy Cohen, the uh, Secretary of the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services spoke about the increases in what we call the Hispanic community in North Carolina. The data is very clear that COVID-19 is having a dramatically disproportionate impact on Hispanic Latinx North Carolinians, as it is across the country. So what it turns out to be is that about 40% of the new diagnoses across the country are actually among the Hispanic population. Yeah, actually, in North Carolina, it's higher. Um, 40% of total cases, even before this latest, and I'm going to call it a surge. I mean, let's not get political here, and and I know President Trump doesn't want to think about this. He's wrong. There is a recurrent surge, Mm -hmm. and it's even higher. 43%, are Hispanic uh, total cases in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, their, their fatality rate is lower than the average because their fatalities in North Carolina have been largely elderly and uh, susceptible individuals, those with high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, and especially obesity. Their rate is lower, but their percentage demographically of the new cases is probably close to 70%. And this surge is due to the Hispanics, but also the young people. And I had not heard in Johnston County of a young person getting the the virus. And then um, my personal assistant, Dallas Webster, uh, we're standing outside taking a break, and she's looking at Facebook, and she had three friends Mm. of hers Mm. test positive. 
and talking about their fevers, their muscle aches, the lack of smell. Now, they're at home and they're mm-hmm. doing reasonably well, but they are quote unquote sick. They're not in the hospital. But the other interesting thing in my practice is that I have a uh, elderly Hispanic couple. They're wonderful. And I had seen them probably two months ago. And I get a call saying that they want a coronavirus test. Now, I test outside my office um, in the car. They roll the window down, a crack. I'm in full PPE. I stick my hand in. They turn their head away from me, and I put the thing up the schnoz. They both tested positive. Um, He's in intensive care. He's 88. She is 89, and I got her CT scan. She has COVID pneumonia. I sent her to the ER. Her O2 sat was initially 99%, and she doesn't feel bad. She has a little bit of a cough. O2 sat. Oh, excuse me. I'm speaking doctor talk. So her oxygen level. You know, ET, yeah. phone home, the yeah, finger. Yeah, yeah. They put this red, they put this thing on your finger, and it shines a, a red light through your finger, and it can tell what your oxygen is. So your oxygen saturation, you or me, is 94%. That means 94% of the amount of oxygen we need is on not on yeah. our fingers. Yeah. And that's wonderful. You don't get really worried until it's below 90%. Anyway, her oxygen levels were normal. Mm-hmm. And so they sent her home. Well, here's the sad thing. A lot of people in her family tested positive. Yeah, Most are asymptomatic. And it turns out a friend of the nephew works in a meatpacking plant mm. and he was the first one to test positive now here's the issue young this is something different sure we had a recent nursing home in raleigh that was in the news it had its first case but this is not what we were seeing a month ago we are seeing now young people who have been to bars who have been to the beach mm-hmm. who have not been socially distancing not wearing masks they're catching the virus but If you hear about a young person being in the hospital on a ventilator, the reason why you're hearing is because it's like man bites dog. It's it's news. Yeah. And that's the whole point. You don't hear about car wrecks, people dying in car wrecks because it happens all the time. Right. But you hear about a plane crash. Right. Because it's so rare. Well, the point I'm trying to make is that we can still prevent this from spreading. And I think the workplace has, for Hispanics especially, working in close quarters, Mm -hmm. they have to make it safer because the Hispanics are working, not all of them, obviously. I mean, and I don't want to seem that I'm putting in a pigeonhole all Hispanics. Right. But there are a large number who work close quarters, meatpacking plants, other types of factories. We need to get that safer. Now, the other issue is the gatherings. I mean, it's a Hispanic tradition. Mexican families are so important. They're all getting together. And so we have to get the word out. Um, I know that there are some private and some public flea markets. uh, And if you've been to a flea market, it's a favorite weekend place for a lot of Hispanic families. Mm -hmm. There are close quarters there. Mm -hmm. Um, I have an African-American friend who's scared out of his wits. He lives in a Hispanic neighborhood, and he said, my God, every house has a positive. And I tested him. He turned out to be negative. He's worried about his child. So don't go to bars right now, okay? Just don't. Right. It's not worth it. 
um, you can't help but being in a close quarter situation in a bar. In the outside, when you can six foot social distance, mm-hmm. they're not saying you need to wear a mask. I probably agree. But when you're in the grocery store, when you're at, you know, the the store shopping for things, Lululemon is where my daughter goes. I mean, that's a <laughs> um, fancy tights and is it? yoga yeah. pl- place. You oh, know, yeah. The kids, I go there all the time. The kids love it. Yes. Okay. I mean, I mean, I don't go there. I go to REI. But anyway, the point is put on your mask in there. Now, we've talked about this before. Masks that are just made out of uh, cloth or the surgical mask, mm-hmm. they're good. And if everybody wore one in the store, that would help. Those masks don't protect you from them. It protects them from you. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do it, and I'm doing it, um, I'm, I'm following the guidelines because I believe it's right. But I bought a bunch of N95s. Now, what's an N95? That, that's a designation. It's approved first by the National Institutes of Occupational Safety and Health, NIOSH, but also by the FDA. It means that it really filters out of everything. And the virus doesn't seem to get through an N95. So you can get them now. They're 5 $6 a piece as opposed to a couple cents uh, or nothing for a mask you make out of a sock. Yeah. The masks that you make out of a sock and the other masks protect them from you. But if you're going to do the mask thing, you, get, you can get an N95 on Amazon. Just search for N95 masks. Now, make sure you get one that says N-I-O-S-H certified. They can't advertise that unless it is. Then you know it's going to protect you. Let me tell you that there have been a number of federal investigations into people selling fake. masks. that Right. Fake masks is worse than fake news. Wherever okay. There is a market. People will try to fake you out and take your money. And Amazon has been pretty good about screening these things out. You can still get fake Yves Saint Laurent. You can still get fake you know, Gucci through Amazon. But they pretty much shut those down quickly. But I've looked at it. That's where I bought mine. I got the the white cone masks, N95s. But I also bought N95s that look like real masks. And the difference is they seal around your face right. and they have a different cloth. Now, if you're going to use a mask, something that people don't know is how you keep them safe. And every night you turn your oven on to 180 degrees and put your mask in there for 20 minutes. Now, why does that sterilize? It's not over 212. The, the virus apparently has a fatty coat, okay, mm-hmm. lipids, and mm-hmm. that'll melt. I mean, you can melt butter at 185 or 180. You can melt the virus. So hand wash and wear a mask when you're in close quarters. I mean, if you're out in the park, I don't wear my mask in the dog park. And when I meet my neighbors in the dog park, we stand apart, mainly because we're trying to corral our dogs. Sure. But also to do the right thing. Now, what about public restrooms? That's become a big issue, I think. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't use public restrooms anymore, except for today. I had to, but this is WPTF, I figured. Sure. But remember one thing, and and for all of you who are going to be grossed out, cover your ears. If you can smell it, it's getting into your body. Oh, yeah. Okay? It's not like the smell doesn't mean that there's just the little tiny chemical odor things. It's in your body. So feces. 
we're going to be very nice and, and, and use a medical term. Sure. Carry the coronavirus. They just do. Yeah. And that's what's known to be true. So I hate to say it, folks out there, but make sure when you're out, before you go out, empty your bladder and hold it till you get home. Because okay. I think that's one of the – it's like a bar. And yeah, I wouldn't yeah. – Now, they're, they're – you know, if you want to bring Lysol, if you want to spray that thing down, the problem is if you can smell it, you're inhaling it. Yuck. And I'm talking about the possibility of the virus. Yeah. So to go over things, the, yes. the new cases are among the Hispanics and also the young people. We weren't seeing as, as – just like I told you, mm-hmm. my, my assistant Dallas Tompkins, her friends are getting it. Yeah. And that we didn't hear about this. And it's, it's now that we're opening up, now that we're so tired yeah. of being cooped up at home, we're getting it and we're spreading it. And – the thing that I worry about is a third wave will be those people's grandparents. Right. And they're much more risky to get sick. All right. The Hall of Shame is coming up next. Also, sad news about Don Wells, who played Marianne on the Gilligan's Island TV show. Where you just, I, you just, my sit, heart is breaking. I, you ask the question, and every man of a certain age has got the answer uh, Ginger or Marianne? Yeah. I well, was on it Team was Marianne. always Marianne for me, yeah. never Ginger. Yeah. Um, and is it safe to smell your deodorant? You're gotta, you got to believe this it's story. It's not only safe, it may save your life. It, may, it might save your life. But no, there's one kid in Britain who found out the wrong the, – that he his deodorant – the wrong way, but the right way too. All right. 919-860-9783 is our number. I'll repeat that. 919 860 9783 on the Heart Health Radio Network. This is Heart Health Radio. 919-860-9783 is the hit line. Call up and we'll play whatever you want. Absolutely. Well, if we have it. If we have it. The shame of the week. Well, I I hate to keep doing this because no. I, I really love Dr. Fauci. I, yeah. mean, I think he's a great man. He has done so much for medicine in the United States over the last 30 years, but mm-hmm. he's saying some really stupid things. Now, I'm not sure why he's saying this, but he is saying that the fatality rate for COVID has to be undercounted because he suspects so many people are just dying at home. Now, this is a guy who has taken care of patients. Uh, the AIDS patients that were in the NIH, he rounded on them every day. But let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. I And this is not because I'm a bad doctor, but I have patients die every week, and they're found dead at home. But you have 6,000 well, patients. But here's, no, this is the point I'm trying to make, is that you need a death certificate. Yeah. They don't let you get away without a death certificate. Right. And so if someone had a fever, chills, cough, and they died – yeah. There is no way they're not going to get a COVID test, I know, because it happens. Mm-hmm. So the whole concept that somebody is just dying at home and being forgotten about and swept under the rug, right. and that would impact mm-hmm. that there would be a greater number of COVID patients is absurd. Mm-hmm. And so this whole concept of, of how it's much worse, people are dying at home, we're not counting them, yeah. is just crazy. 
and I, I wish he would think or maybe even consult a physician who actually takes care of patients in the community mm-hmm. to know that this is ridiculous. I mean, I've had patients who die at home, and I don't know why, and they want me to sign their death certificate, and I say, no, because I don't know why they died. Right. And they go to the medical examiner. And, you know, it's just crazy to think that all these people are dying at home and we don't know. There's a story that says that, you know, if you have COVID and you recover from it, that unfortunately your antibodies fade quickly. Well, yeah, uh, duh, and that's what my daughters say to me when I do something stupid, <laughs> which is quite frequently. Duh, Dad. Okay, suppose you get Lyme, and yeah. you get antibodies to it that are really, really in high concentration. And then your doctor gives you the appropriate antibiotics, and the Lyme goes away. Mm-hmm. If you look at those antibodies three to six months later, they are 90% less of the concentration they were. Why? Because they're not needed. Your immune system responds very quickly. So there's a memory. Mm-hmm. Those antibodies are around. Even if a few of them are activated, they start activating all these other cells in your immune system to wipe out that infectious organism. So this whole concept, of they put this in the New York Times. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Even if you've got antibodies, you can still get it. We need to stay locked down. We need to have a bad economy because we don't want Trump to get elected. Now, If you don't want Trump to get elected, I understand. I can understand how you don't like him. I disagree with you, but I understand. I believe that people have legitimate reasons for not wanting Trump to be reelected. But don't lie or don't prevaricate that you better stay home, you better not go to work, you Mm -hmm. better have a bad economy because your antibody levels fall. That's a normal, natural phenomenon, so shut up. You ever hear about a one-handed economist? No. All right, here's the the story (laughs) among economists is what you really need to have is a one-handed economist because an economist will say, well, you know, this is true about the economy, but on the other hand, hand, right, Yeah, there's a lot of yabbing going uh, along. Somebody says, well, you know, the numbers are coming on. Yeah, but when we open. When we open. And then the numbers come up and you say, yeah, but this is true. There's a lot of detail. Yeah. It doesn't mean that every headline matters. Or or that you can interpret it in a way that is politically motivated. And and so what I'd like everybody out there to do, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, my sisters are Democrats, they're mm-hmm. socialists. I love them. Mm-hmm. And I understand where their views come from. I disagree with them. Yeah. Now they don't feel the same way about me. No, they no, love no, me, no, no, no. But I'm I'm a racist and an idiot, you know what I mean? And According I to take, them? Yeah. Yeah, and I can take it, but you know, just start to think for yourself and ask question. Yeah, ask question. Important question: Is it safe to smell my deodorant? Uh, it's not only safe; yeah. it can save a life. And it's really an amazing story. In England, there was a schoolboy, and they use that term "schoolboy." So I'm not being sexist. Um, who went into a coma, fell in the ice, um, was out for a long time. They revived him. He was in a coma. He had some stirrings. Now, what happens when you're in a coma? Remember, your nerve cells in your brain, they're called neurons. They have billions and billions. If Some people estimated trillions of connections yeah. from one neuron to the next, back again, feedback, blah, 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 blah. So if you're in a coma, those neurons aren't connecting. 
they're not dead for the most part, but for some reason, when you've had the injury, they don't talk to each other. Well, somebody said, one of the doctors said to the mom, bring some stuff in from home. Hmm. You know, just bring some stuff in from home. Maybe, just maybe, it'll stir him up. Well, they brought in his deodorant, and apparently this young man loved the certain deodorant. <laughs> and it was called Lynx, L-Y-N-X. You ever heard of it? No, no. no. I, feel, I think I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Because it woke him up. They put this deodorant <laughs> under his nose, and he woke him and said, hey, Mom. And this is, this is not a coincidence, because when olfactory – um, and that means smell. When yeah. that smell hits your brain, there is a tremendous amount of outpouring of different neurons. Yeah. And so what I think is that they woke up They woke up the other ones. Now, he's, is he 100% yet? No. Uh, he's not sniffing his deodorant every mm-hmm. day. Well, that's good. And that's not going to be something. But, but, you know, if you've got a loved one who is not waking up from something like that, do bring in the stuff from home yeah. because it can excite different parts of right. the brain and help you. For me, it would be Folger's Black Silk. What is that? With a li- Oh, it's a great coffee. I'll yeah. bring some in next week. This is Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Coming up, we're going to play Can I Eat This? I have the nutritional facts from a brand new marketed snack. I'm going to give this to the doctor in just a couple of minutes. He's going to determine whether I can eat it. I think I can. In fact, we're going to set an upper limit. How many of these things can I eat? Oh, no. Yes. But first, Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News on the radio show for our regular visit. How you doing, Rose? Good. How are you, Jamie? Hey, Rose. How are you, Rose? A rose that would smell as sweet. Thank you very much. (laughs) Rose, good reporting by your Ann Blythe about Hispanic communities and the response from the state. What do you think is going on here? Well, you know, a lot of the folks in in the Latino community, they work in places that are congregate, right? So they work in, like, meat processing meat processing plants, they work as cleaners, at construction. I mean, and you think, at first glance, you think construction, you're outside, but if you're doing finished carpentry, I don't know if you've ever hung drywall, but you have to have two or three people, and it's heavy work, and you're breathing hard. They work in supermarkets, they work now, folks, now restaurants are partly open, they're working in kitchens, um, you know, hospitals, they work in hospital kitchens, and doing cleaning, and whatnot, and, um, and sometimes they don't have the personal protective equipment. Um, and like I say, you hang in drywall and, you know, you're breathing heavy to get the drywall up there. And you're, you're standing next to, you know, your coworker. And if one of you has COVID and the other right. one's going to have it. Now, the other thing that's interesting right now is right now in the Latino community, um, they, they have the highest number of cases. They're the highest rate, like it's like forty five percent of the state's cases are in the Hispanic community, mm-hmm. but um, their very low death rate in comparison, their death rate is only nine percent, and part of that is because the largest age group in the Hispanic community that has COVID are twenty five to forty nine, so they don't have as many. They have not acquired as many. Um, pre-existing conditions uh you know so i think they're able to eat anything dave 
there is also something about um, a new call for Medicaid to switch its system. What is that all about? Is it well? This is not a new call. This is yeah. something that the legislature ordered in 2015. I have spilled more pixels about that than mm-hmm. I care to think about. And um, I, uh, but you know, it the whole Medicaid transformation got caught up last year in the food fight between the legislature and the governor. You know, because the governor has wanted to also. And Medicaid. So there's two different things going on. There's transformation, which is switching it from fee-for-service to managed care, well, which you know, will provide some budget stability. Yeah, let me basically. let me just interrupt because I'm I'm part of this. Um, the, uh-huh. the Medicaid system is changing. Um, what's going to happen? And I'm signing up for all these insurance company-sponsored Medicaid programs. Now, mm-hmm. actually, it's going to be fee-for-service. So I will be paid based on the patients that I see, but I won't be allowed to see them unless the gatekeeper says I can. So this is managed care, but it's not um, what we call capitation. And so capitation is where you're paid a certain amount of money and then you have these patients assigned. What happens in capitation is if you're already getting the money and somebody calls in, you say, I'm sorry, I'm too full. So they are going to have an incentive but they're going to have a restriction by a gatekeeper. Now, I've had to sign up for seven different Medicaid programs. Yeah. Whereas, opposed, I used to have one. And yeah. um, it's pretty complicated. Um, but I think it is going to be pretty complicated. Yeah. The, it is, the system is capitated. You're not the one who's capitated, it's the managed care company. That's right. Now, that's right. an important point. That's true. So, have you heard of, I'm sure you know about Medicare Advantage plans. Um, it's the Correct. same way. But you know what happens? I have sicker patients. And so, if there are certain diagnosis codes that I can submit and back it up with documentation, mm-hmm. so instead of getting $12,000 per Medicare patient served by that managed care insurance company. They get 15, they get 20. So what happens is these insurance companies love me and they get a hold of my notes in in large numbers so they can show Medicare that they're really getting uh, their money's worth. And so well, it's, a, it's a two-edged Medicare. sword. It's a two-edged sword. That, that's Medicare. Medicaid, the state is going to be paying these insurance companies per patient and they're going to get a Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're not going to have any it. adjustment for sickness or illness. The companies are going to, there's going to be some risk adjustments for yeah. each patient, yeah. but uh, it's going to be, you know, you get, you might get 12,000 over the course of the year. You might get 15,000 over the course of the year. I'm just pulling these numbers. Yeah, out I'm here. pulling them out of my head too. Right. But you know, you they'll be doing that. The whole reason why the legislature really, really wanted this and, you know, made it happen. They tried for years, and in 2015, they got it through, and Governor McCrory signed it. And it was because the state wanted um, uh, budget predictability. They wanted to be able to say, this is how much we're paying, you know, for the course of the year. It doesn't matter if we got a pandemic. It doesn't matter if we got a bad flu season. This is what we're paying. So that's, that's the reason why it gave a lot of healthcare advocates and providers some no small amount of heartburn um, 
and it was a, that's why the fight took as long as it did to well, make it happen. Something, so, something. And, and they're finally going to make it roll out next, next yeah. July 1. Well, something funny, though, I, I think people should know, hmm. is that the old system, whoever was managing it this last year, they saved $360 bucks. That's how much they save. So are we really going to save money by going this way or going the other way? I don't know. But have you ever heard of Molina? That's a very good question. Yeah. Have you heard of Molina, M-O-L-I-N-A? They're, they're one of the largest uh, uh, fee-for-service Medicaid, you know, Medicaid uh, to manage care plan. And they lost out in North Carolina. But, you know, the guy who founded that, Mario Molina, was one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And he was no in, in, yeah, intern with me. But you know what happened to him? Because he was going after Medicare Advantage plans and the board didn't like it, they fired him from his own company. So it's very this this whole you know uh, superstructure of medicine now is getting really tough. All right, Rose is going to make it simple for us. We're going to we're going to understand it, and all you have to do is read her articles at NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. Rose, thank you. Thanks a lot. Love you. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. All right. The great thing about having Rose on the program is that we're not really policy guys. She's going to be kind of our policy guru. Well, she knows her stuff. And she knows her stuff. She was a nurse, and she left nursing to go into journalism, and she has... Well, who's that sound like? uh, (laughs) Left medicine to go into radio. I haven't left it yet, though. Can I eat this? I've handed Dr. Weefald a, a a nutritional information sheet from a wrapper, and I've cut off the name of the company whose wrapper. So in other words, it's like I've taken the potato chip bag and I've cut out only that little section. But it's okay. not potato chips. You can tell it's not potato chips. All right. So this is something that has beef, pork. I love this mechanically separated chicken. Yes. Water, textured ah. soy flour. Oh, which is, that's the good stuff. No. no. Soy flour is actually good because okay. the soybean is pure protein. So okay. it's soy flour, corn syrup. Now that – now people don't understand what high fructose corn syrup is. Right. So you grind up the corn that they feed the cows. Mm-hmm. Okay, And then you subject it to what we call enzymes. Mm-hmm. So what is – that the corn is basically long strings of sugars that are linked together, just like flour. Sure. But what they do is they break them down into individual sugars with this artificial enzyme. So I'd have to know how much corn syrup is in there. Oh, wait a minute. Total high carbohydrates okay. are five grams. Five grams. So that's low. Is it low? Total sugars okay. not and total sugars are only one gram. Yeah. So that's good. That's less than one twentieth. Yeah. of the total amount of simple carbs you should have. Now, yeah. natural flavors, I wonder what that means. Oh, my God. Dextrose, and it's less than 2%. Yeah. So you have all this other stuff, hydrolyzed soy protein, mm. maltodextrin. I'm going to say this, okay? Yeah. You can eat this. I can eat this. You can eat it. All right, now. You know I, what this reminds me of? What? A Slim Jim. That's exactly what it is. Oh, come on. The people at Slim Jim are now marketing big sizes this is the savage size. It is three times the meat you get in a regular Slim Jim. Oh, you kidding me? Yeah. I love, and, I'm going to go buy one. Well, here's the thing. The sodium's 20%. One of these, 20% of what you should eat in a day. So don't eat 20 of them. No, I'm just going to eat five. 
I okay. did the math in my head. I can eat five of these as long as I don't have any other sodium. Okay. That's right. good. Yay! But let me tell you. I, what? I like the little Slim Jims. No, no, no. You know, the ones yeah. that are about about six inches long? No, I eat, I eat about three inches of this big Slim Jim. But you know, put it in the side of my mouth and I pretend I'm a cowboy. Yeah. But when you bite into it, <laughs> there is just that sense of juice <laughs> and shaw. Don't, don't do it. I love them. Don't do it. I guess that was a Slim Jim. You did. Yeah. Well, wow. it's, you know. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation on Heart Health Radio. Coming up, our section where we shout out people who've done some wonderful things, got some sad news about some people, and a breakthrough on sickle cell. All coming up on this radio program of the Heart Health Radio Network. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or WPTF.com. Also, go to hearthealthradio.com for a link to today's show. Give us an hour, and we'll have that link up. So who are we shouting out today? Uh, Dr. Larry Williams. Uh, we met 15 years ago. Very healthy dentist uh-huh. in Benson, one of the best dentists. He was out hiking and got a little, just felt funny. Yeah. And came in to see me as a cons- consult, uh, did a stress test, markedly abnormal. I was due to do a surgery in half an hour um, when I talked to him. So yeah. and that was from Smithfield, so it had taken me half an hour to get there. And he just wouldn't believe me. I mean, it was just like the, the shade had pulled down over his ears. And so I spent 45 minutes describing everything, doing everything. And he, we finally did his heart cath about two weeks later. Bypass surgery. Really? Yeah. He did very well. He's had a couple of stents in the meantime. Cholesterol was a problem because he couldn't tolerate a lot of the medications. But now yeah. he's got two neurologic diseases that are both pretty devastating. So not only does he have Parkinson's, but he's also got myasthenia gravis. Now, I've gotten permission from him. I saw him last week. But what I want to shout him out for is the fact that his faith has been tested. Right. You know, you always ask, why, why me, God? And I think he understands why not you. And, you know, this, the biblical story of Job and whatever, and we had a really good meeting the last time we prayed together, uh, as we do very frequently. And his spirit is very inspiring. Wow. And so if, if you think that life has been unfair, then just remember Dr. Larry Williams because he's thinking – with his wonderful family and his great career and mm-hmm. his relationship with God, that he's lucky. Wow. And that's the important thing. Wow. That's the important thing. Who is Edward Smith? Edward Smith is another incredible case about – well, I talked about this a little bit with Carmelo Milano, but he had a massive heart attack, uh, wiped out his inferior wall, which is the bottom part of the heart, had to have you know, surgery that I was really, really had to work hard to get – people convinced to do it and that was in you know the about 21 years ago and Mm -hmm. i just saw him last week and he's doing great Mm -hmm. had a couple problems but we fixed him and i can tell you right now i don't think anybody would have thought that he would have made it and so every time i see these people i realize that i'm you know i wanted to be a lawyer did i tell you that no my mom made me be a doctor 
she wouldn't pay for law school. She'd pay for med school. And <laughs> I'm serious. I like to argue. I like to talk, as you all can tell. Yeah. But I, I see people like this that I have known for decades, and they're doing well. And, you know, they may not be perfect, but it makes me realize I'm doing the right thing. Good for you. I'm doing the right thing. Good for you. That Yeah, I took the law SAT. The LSAT L- is amazingly L- hard. I took the LSAT and yeah. the NCATS, and yeah. I got into two schools at Harvard at the same time. I got into Harvard Law School, and I got into Harvard wow. Law School at the same time. Wow. I called my mother, and I said, Ma, I got into Harvard Law. And she says, you're on your own. And hung <laughs> up. That's a All true right. story. Dave called up. David called up during the last break and just couldn't hold on. He asked about liposine. Yeah. So uh, you're all seeing this liposine on the the TV. And the question is, is it safe? Does it work? And I think the answer to the first one is yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Good. It is basically what we call soluble fiber. Now, what's the difference? Okay. Insoluble fiber me, it's like Metamucil. So have mm-hmm. you ever taken that? It, you stir it up and stir it up and stir it up and stir it up, and it still yeah. stays, stays milky. Right. So that works because it absorbs water. The fibers absorb water, and then your stool is soft, and you poop it out. Now, liposine Thank is you for following a, that all the way to the end. Yeah. I hate it when a story ends early. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Liposine is what we call a soluble fiber. Okay. So it disappears and becomes crystal clear. And that tends to work as well because it also holds water in your stool. And so you you evacuate it. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it is safe. And there are no big-time clinical studies. Do you know why? Because no. clinical studies now cost a billion dollars. Yeah. The FDA, if you want to get it clinically approved. There are a lot of cases where it works. Now, soluble fiber and insoluble fiber – in and of themselves, both work as well. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you can lose weight on liposine. And, yes, it is safe. No, I am not endorsing it. But I will endorse any fiber-based compound. Why is it that I do that? Because mm-hmm. the more fiber you have in your diet, either insoluble or soluble, the better your health is. Okay. Because you're going to have less of a risk of colon cancer and you're going to feel better. I mean, gosh, how do you like being constipated? I mean, I hate it. Well, and let's open up better. the phone lines. Yeah. Who feels good being constipated? 919-860-9783. Uh, dial 9784 if you want to, if, yes, uh, and <laughs> 9783 if you say no. Um, Don Wells oh, man. portrayed Marianne on Gilligan's Island. Yeah. She has, according to – well. Two things going on. One is that uh, she got a restraining order against somebody. Yeah, and this is, I think, one of the things we want to bring up about about Alzheimer's, um, dementia. And, you know, it can start off slow. Look at mm-hmm. President Reagan. And then you can get very disabled from it. Um, yeah. And, you know, the problem is there's some fan that she initially got in touch with. Sure. Who was now trying to take advantage of her. And so the key thing is that even if you're not Marianne, even if you're not a famous movie star, you need to have some protection for yourself when you get older. And, you know, there are young people get Alzheimer's, too. She's 81. Make a living will. Assign a medical power of attorney. Right. So that somebody 
can take care of your best interest when you're not able to. If it comes post the fact that you get sick, it is mm-hmm. so much harder yeah. because then you got to go from in front of a judge and that judge is going to have to interview you and then somebody can challenge it to see whether you are quote unquote competent to take care of your own affairs. So this has become a struggle for her and her family. Don't let it happen to you. I, I don't care how old you are wow. because you never know what that's going to happen. Get a legal power of attorney. Get a living will. Now, people think if they have a living will means that people won't take care of them if they're going to get sick. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Don't make yourself a DNR, but just make it clear what your wishes are, how far you want somebody to go, and how far you want them to hang on. And like our British kid, whether which type of deodorant you want to sniff Un- when you're in a coma. Right. So Marianne, I loved her. There's something called CRISPR, which is some sort of gene editing tool. Yeah. And the reason I want to talk about this is it's not just for sickle cell. Uh, and of those of you who don't know, sickle cell anemia is uh, almost always in the African-American population, and it's big in Africa. Do you know why people have it? No. It's a natural evolutionary thing. Um, when you have one sickle cell gene and one normal gene, your red blood cells are basically highly resistant to malaria. So that's why it developed in Africa. So if you have one sickle and one normal, the malaria didn't kill you. Right. But the problem is if you got two sickles. Now, why is it called sickle cell? The reason is when you look under the microscope, a lot of their cells look like sickles. Um, a sickle is what they used to cut wheat yeah. before they had a combine. And when that happens, those cells become non-pliable. Um, and believe it or not, your red cells have to squeeze through these little arterioles mm-hmm. to get through. Right. They can. And so they, they get deposited in their kidneys and their brains and their hearts, but mostly in the joints. And that hurts. So when I was at Johns Hopkins, which is in an, an area that has a very high African-American population, I saw sickle cell anemia all the time. Right. And what was really, really frustrating for us is that there was really no treatment back then. There are some medicines we can give. So it's a genetic disease. Right. Well, since we started doing all this stuff with DNA, people have said, let's try and fix their DNA. And they've done it. So CRISPR is this really, uh, it's a very difficult technique to explain, but it's cut and paste for your DNA. Hmm. And they've developed a way to put this stuff in your body. It goes to the right gene. It cuts out the old one and puts in a new one. And it worked. You do this to an adult? An adult. And you can change their DNA even as an adult. So this woman um, who had horrible sickle cell anemia and was very sick for a long time – and the, the, one of the biggest problems is they become narcotic dependent because it's so painful that you can't help but do it. But she is the first person, and I'm going to shout her out, Victoria Gray, 34 years old, of Forest, Mississippi, and there's 100,000 people with sickle cell anemia in this country, and she is now symptom-free after CRISPR. Now, why am I bringing this up, not just for sickle cell? Because there are so many genetic illnesses that we may now be able to cure and and I am just so excited. You should be excited too yeah. because guess who paid for this research? Did we? You did. Ah, good. 
the National Institutes of Health, these these grants to physicians. So pat yourselves on the back, shout yourselves out. We've got a country and a government, the largest um, uh, financier, mm-hmm. financier of medical research, and it, and it's coming to fruition. That's Heart Health. See you next week on the Heart Health Radio Network. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.